The funeral mass, like every mass we celebrate as Catholics, is all about Jesus. If you think about it, baptism isn't about the person getting baptized. It's about how Jesus is making that person a new creation. First Holy Communion. It's not about the young people coming forward. It's about how Jesus is nourishing them with his very self. Confirmation is not about the person taking a step. It's about how Jesus is commissioning them and filling them with the Holy Spirit. And that connects nicely to the gift of the fear of the Lord. Hello and welcome. The Setting Apart podcast is a pit stop where you can get nourished, encouraged, and refreshed whenever you need a break. I am your host, IP, and every episode I get to share my stories, my outlook, my reflections on all things inspired through the lens of faith. So grab yourself a coffee, sit back, relax, and chill. We started the journey of reading the book of Tobit, chapter 1, from January the 20th, 2022. And now, we've come to the final chapter, chapter 14, of the book of Tobit. Thank you, everyone, for your perseverance in season 2. By tuning into the podcast, you've given me tremendous support for the entire season. Going forward, I'll be taking a break before starting season three, so please make sure one, you are subscribed to the Setting Apart podcast and or the YouTube channel, and two, that you have turned the notification button on so that you won't miss any new episode when it drops. In this final episode of season two, I would like to share commentaries from a couple of church fathers on the book of Tobit, picked a couple of themes from Tobit chapter 14 that resonate with me and reflect on them using the prayer of Lectio Divina. From the sermon of St. Augustine on Tobit, and I quote, 1. The prayer of the just man is the key to heaven. In truth, Tobit was stricken with the calamity of blindness in order to receive the angel as a physician who, kindled with divine firebrands, grasped. Prayer is good with fasting and alms. The prayer ascends, and God's mercy descends. Although the earth is deep down and heaven is high up, God hears the tongue of men, if his conscience is clean. He talks with the senses, if there is but a sigh on our part. Rain from the eyes is enough for his ears. He hears tears more quickly than words. The prayer of the hater is always driven away from his ears. 2. The Angel to Tobit I am the instrument of healing. He is the maker of health. 
You do not know what sort of servant it is whose help you have earned the enjoyment of. You were not afraid to bury those who had died in captivity, Tobit. Your works ascended to the Lord because you left your dinner to lay a dead man to rest. I brought rich sacrifices to the Lord on account of this respectable burial. I was sent as a laborer of the heavenly market. The two of you buried a dead man and were not afraid of the sting of death. The buried man himself clamored in your defense with a silent voice. The blindness of your eyes served as a test for your patience to earn a brighter decoration from heaven. The one who sent me is rich. He ordered things to be expanded for free as he himself granted them for free. Do not even bestow on me the honor of thanks because you have received nothing through my power. Bless God and give thanks to Him and glorify Him because He has done good things among you. 3. The angel concealed his dignity so as not to cause fright in his hirer. For if he had said, I am an angel, he would not have been Tobias' hired servant. The dignity of the name was reserved so that the magnitude of the dignity might become clear in the end. See, my dearest, how great the merit of Almsdeed is. He earned the privilege of having an angel as a laborer. You see how beneficial it is to bury the dead? It made his offering ascent to the heavenly majesty through the angel Raphael. You see that alms delivers from death, and the same purges away sins. It performs the purgation of the eyes. It delivers from the darkness of sins. Tobiah is guided on his way, and Sarah, saddened by the loss of so many men, is married thanks to the angel. End of quote. And that was St. Augustine, Sermon 226 on the Blessed Tobias. And now, on to another saint, St. Ambrose, on questions on the Old and New Testament on Tobit, and I quote, The providence of the Lord God towards us is so great that, not wanting us to err or to make mistakes, he gave us the law and examples of good works so that, following them, one may lead an honest and peaceful life with the fear of God. Therefore, God's servant, Holy Tobit, was given to us, after the law, as an example, so that we may know how the things we have read are done, and so that, if trials come, we may not desist from the fear of God and that we may not hope for help from any other source than from Him, keeping in mind that it is written, I have been young, and now am old, and I have not seen the just forsaken, nor his seed seeking bread. 
You can find that in Psalms either 36 or 37, depending on which version, by King David. Therefore, he who hopes in God with all his mind can never be deceived. So, let us be informed by the scripture of how praiseworthy Holy Tobit is, whose devotion captivity did not diminish, whom the laws of his eyes did not stop from blessing God, whom the exhaustion of his resources did not divert from the way of justice and truth. Let me pause here. I think it is noteworthy that St. Ambrose speaks of the book of Tobit as a part of the canonical scripture. In fact, since only the canonical scripture can be read in church under the name of divine scripture, the sermons and commentaries on Tobit from church fathers like St. Augustine, St. Bede, St. Athanasius the Great, St. Polycarp, St. Clement of Rome, St. Clement of Alexandria, and St. Ambrose, etc. collectively speaks volume that the book of Tobit has long been part of the scripture in the early church. I continue quoting St. Ambrose. Tobit's spirit was neither broken by captivity nor humiliated by want. He buried the bodies of the slain in spite of the prohibition, and, certain of God's generosity, he was compassionate even with the small means that he had. Knowing that God prefers the compassion that is done from small means, as did the widow whom the Lord praised in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 21. For the truly faithful person, the person who does not doubt God's promises, is the one who gives generously from little. Therefore, comforting his heart with the hope of the future, Tobit, devoted to God, was found to be strong and brave in trial, showing that when in want, one ought to be all the more vigilant in God's fear. Because if want does not prompt you to seek God's help, how much less will security? Let me pause here. This is a number of times um, St. Ambrose speaks of the fear of God. Is this the fear of God's wrath or punishment? Not quite. I will unpack it in a bit. Let me continue my quote from St. Ambrose. Indeed, the calamities that unjustly strike the faithful whether in tribulations or in reproaches, are signs of future rewards. Therefore, just Tobit was so pleasing to God that he obtained for his merits a twofold reward. For the present, he recovered through the angel's agency, the sight that he had lost and was enriched with the resources that are useful in his life. And for the future, he was made an heir of the kingdom of heaven, so that we might be taught through this that when someone obeys God's law with all their heart and does not doubt his promises, God often augments their resources in this world and grants them eternal life in the next. End of quote. That was St. Ambrose, questions on the Old and the New Testament on Tobit. 
The Bible I'm reading from is the New American Bible or the NAB online version taken from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops or the USCCB website. For the book of Tobit, I also refer to the online version of the Dewey Reims Bible, which is a translation from the Latin Vulgate, whereas the NAB is translated from the Septuagint or the Greek version. As always, the show notes can be found on the website. The URL is www.settingapart.com and setting apart is one word. All resources used, scripture verses, reflection questions, YouTube links where subtitles of every episode this season is uploaded, all these and more for the podcast can be found in the show notes. I invite you to read along Tobit chapter 14 with me. Now, let us quiet down our heart for the opening prayer as we prepare to read and listen to the Word of God. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, all thanks and glory belong to you. We thank you for gathering us in your name to listen attentively to you with our heart. As your word unfolds, it gives light. Even the simple understand. We pray that the Holy Spirit in our midst could guide us in opening our ears and our heart to be enlightened by your word. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Tobit chapter 14 So the words of Tobit's hymn of praise came to an end. Tobit died in peace at the age of 112 and was buried with honor in Nineveh. He was 58 years old when he lost his eyesight. And after he recovered it, he lived in prosperity giving alms. He continued to fear God and give thanks to the Divine Majesty. As he was dying, he summoned his son Tobiah and Tobiah's seven sons and commanded him, Son, take your children and flee into Media. For I believe God's word that Nahum spoke against Nineveh. It will all happen and will overtake Assyria and Nineveh. Indeed, all that was said by Israel's prophets, whom God sent, will come to pass. Not one of all their words will remain unfulfilled. But everything will take place in the time appointed for it. So, it will be safer in Meteor than in Assyria or Babylon. For I know and believe that whatever God has said will be accomplished. It will happen, and not a single word of the prophecies will fail. As for our kindred, who dwell in the land of Israel, they will all be scattered and taken into captivity from the good land. All the land of Israel will become a wilderness. Even Samaria and Jerusalem will be a wilderness. 
For a time, the house of God will be desolate and will be burnt. But God will again have mercy on them and bring them back to the land of Israel. They will build the house again, but it will not be like the first until the era when the appointed times will be completed. Afterward, all of them will return from their captivity and they will rebuild Jerusalem with due honor. In it, the house of God will also be rebuilt, just as the prophets of Israel said of it. All the nations of the world will turn and reverence God in truth. All will cast away their idols, which have deceitfully led them into error. They will bless the God of the ages in righteousness. All the Israelites, truly mindful of God, who are to be saved in those days, will be gathered together and will come to Jerusalem. In security will they dwell forever in the land of Abraham, which will be given to them. Those who love God sincerely will rejoice, but those who commit sin and wickedness will disappear completely from the land. Now, my children, I give you this command. Serve God sincerely and do what is pleasing in His sight. You must instruct your children to do what is right and to give alms, to be mindful of God and at all times to bless His name sincerely and with all their strength. Now, as for you, son, leave Nineveh. Do not stay here. The day you bury your mother next to me, do not even stay overnight within the confines of the city. For I see that there is much wickedness in it, and much treachery is practiced in it, and people are not ashamed. See, my son, all that Nadine did to Ahika, the very one who reared him? Was not Ahika brought down alive into the earth? Yet God made Nadine's disgraceful crime rebound against him. Ahika came out again into the light, but Nadine went into the everlasting darkness, for he had tried to kill Ahika. Because Ahika had given alms, he escaped from the deadly trap Nadine had set for him. But Nadine fell into the deadly trap himself, and it destroyed him. So, my children, see what almsgiving does, and also what wickedness does. It kills. But now my spirit is about to leave me. They laid him on his bed, and he died, and he was buried with honor. When Tobias' mother died, he buried her next to his father. He then departed with his wife and children for media where he settled in Agbatana with his father-in-law, Raguel. He took respectful care for his aging father-in-law and mother-in-law, and he buried them at Agbatana in Media. Then he inherited Raguel's estate 
as well as that of his father Tobit. He died, highly respected, at the age of 117. But before he died, he saw and heard the destruction of Nineveh. He saw the inhabitants of the city being led captive into Media by Cyaxares, the king of Media. Tobiah blessed God for all that he had done against the Ninevites and Assyrians. Before dying, he rejoiced over Nineveh, and he blessed the Lord God forever and ever. I have two takeaways from chapter 14. First, Tobit 14 verses 67 and verse 9 to me depict the components of fear of the Lord. For example, all the nations will reverence God in truth. They will bless the God of the ages in righteousness. All the Israelites truly mindful of God will rejoice and do what is pleasing in his sight. These verses bring to mind fear of the Lord to me. And so today, what does the fear of the Lord mean to you? In what ways is it a virtue and how does it fulfill the new covenant? Let's start by unpacking what is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is one of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit prophesied in Isaiah 11 verses 2 to 3. And perhaps no other gift of the Holy Spirit is so misunderstood. So let me start by stating what is not, then proceed to what it is. This gift of fear of the Lord is sometimes misunderstood because of the word fear. Reverence for the God revealed in Scripture is not a servile fear. In the book of Sirach or Ecclesiasticus, fear of the Lord is wisdom, as it is written in Sirach chapter 1 verse 11 to 12, and I quote, The fear of the Lord is glory and exaltation, gladness and a festive crown, the fear of the Lord rejoices the heart, giving gladness, joy, and long life. Unquote. Servile fear cannot lead to glory and exaltation, gladness, and a festive crown, nor can it rejoices the heart, giving gladness, joy, and long life. Here is how St. Thomas Aquinas describes the gift of fear of the Lord in the Summa Theologica. And I quote, With the gift of fear of the Lord, we are aware of the glory and majesty of God. A person with wonder and awe knows that God is the perfection of all we desire, perfect knowledge, perfect goodness, perfect power, and perfect love. This gift is described by Aquinas as a fear of separating oneself from God. He describes the gift as a filial fear, like a child's fear of offending his father, as opposed to a servile fear that is a fear of punishment. Also known as knowing God is all-powerful. 
Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because it puts our mindset in its correct location with respect to God. We are the finite, dependent creatures, and He is the infinite, all-powerful Creator. End of quote. The gift of fear brings to perfection the virtue of hope. This gift of the Holy Spirit gives us the desire not to offend God as well as the certainty that God will supply us the grace that we need in order to keep from offending Him. A person respects God as God, trusts in His will, and anchors his life in God. He approaches the Lord with humility, docility, and obedience. He believes in His promises of forgiveness of sin and eternal life in heaven. The obedience of faith perfects our hope of remaining in God's grace and someday being with Him in the happiness of heaven. And this hope gives us peace. Therefore, the fear of the Lord is the source of our Christian hope and peace. And that's exactly what it means to me. The gift of the wonder and awe makes me appreciate the wondrous majesty of God simply by being mindful of God. As I have shared in my previous episode, the lowly plant or grass has been converting sunlight into chemical energy to power all its activities. And we are just starting to harness that with the solar panel technology converting solar energy to power up our devices one billion years or so later. God is the powerful creator and we are the dependent creatures. Just take a look around us and there are many other wonders and all moments when we open our eyes. And knowing that God is solid on his word up and down the Bible as it is written, I have been young and now am old and I have not seen the just forsaken, nor his seed seeking bread. The gift of fear of the Lord gives me hope and peace. The difference between the Old and the New Testament is the way God interacts with us. The old law was only able to show us how unrighteous we were because we could not live up to it. But under the new law of love, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us and enable us by grace to live out God's calling. Since we know that God is our Heavenly Father who always loves and forgives us, this fear of the Lord is not a servile fear whereby a person serves God simply because he fears punishment but a filial or reverential fear that moves a person to do God's will and avoid sin because of love for God, who is all good and deserving of all our love. In other words, it is not a fear of punishment, but a desire not to offend God that parallels our desire not to offend our parents. 
our desire not to offend God is more than simply a sense of duty. Like piety, the fear of the Lord arises out of love. Our God is a God to love, a God to reverence, and a God to honor with our whole lives. In the words of 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, we love because He first loved us. Love is precisely how the fear of the Lord, a gift of the Holy Spirit, is fulfilled in the new covenant. My second takeaway from Tobit chapter 14 revolves the burials in the book of Tobit. Tobit found favor in the Lord by giving dead bodies a respectable burial in captivity in spite of the prohibition. And in the final chapter, everyone from Tobit and Anna, Raguel and Etna to Tobiah all receive a highly respectable burial. And so today, what is the significance of a proper burial? What is the purpose of a funeral? How does the deceased and the living benefit from it? And what expressions of hope should be evident at a funeral? The Catholic funeral mass and ritual is one of the most beautiful rituals of the church. It speaks on a whole host of levels and it is meant for the deceased as well as the loved ones who are left in sorrow. In the Catholic funeral, from wake to funeral mass to graveside committal, we commend our loved ones into the mercy of God and we also commend ourselves, praying for God's comfort and peace in a time of loss. A celebration of life is all well and good, but such a celebration ends at a grave and goes no further. The Catholic funeral, in its depth of ritual and meaning, reminds us that the grave has been overcome not by our wishing it so, but by the death and resurrection of Christ our Lord. The Catholic funeral reminds us and brings us into this greater context, and this is extremely important because only the resurrection of Christ conquers the tomb. Only the resurrection of Christ says death is not the final word. And only the resurrection of Christ gives the true hope that comforts and heals us in our sorrows. From the beginning of the church, Christian funeral rites and burial have been an important spiritual and pastoral practice. Our Catholic faith understands death as the entrance into eternity. It expresses a hope in the resurrection of the dead, won for us in Christ's death and resurrection. We also recognize the value of prayer for the deceased and show reverence for the body which remains. Since the Christian response to death stands as a witness to Christian belief regarding life here and hereafter, our rites and ceremonies connected with Christian death and burial unite us to the paschal mystery of Christ's victory over sin and death and must remain consonant with this belief. In other words, 
that Catholic funerals are not just about honoring or seeing the deceased off, but has profound biblical implications we should be aware of. The Catholic funeral rite has three parts, the vigil service or the wake, funeral liturgy or mass, and the rite of committal. Each has distinct purposes in setting us on the journey to healing, wholeness, and peace. Vigil service or wake. At the vigil, the Christian community keeps watch with family in prayer to the God of mercy and finds strength in Christ's presence. Order of Christian Funerals, number 56. The vigil is truly a time to laugh, cry, remember, and pray. A time to rejoice in all that the person was and is. This can truly be a healing time for all those who are hurting. It is a time to remember the life of the deceased and to commend them to God. In prayer, we ask God to console us in our grief and give us strength to support one another. Eulogies are best given at an appropriate time during the vigil service. While there is a natural desire to say good things about a person who has died, we must always remember that in the context of prayer, it is the working of God's grace in the life of the deceased for which we want to give thanks and praise. Funeral Liturgy At the death of a Christian whose life of faith was begun in the waters of baptism and strengthened at the Eucharistic table, the Church intercedes on behalf of the deceased because of its confident belief that death is not the end nor does it break the bonds forged in life. Order of Christian Funerals, number four. The funeral liturgy is our great thank you to God who created us and died for us and who is calling each of us back to himself. In this step of funeral rites, the focus shifts slightly from emphasis on the deceased to God-saving works through Jesus Christ. The Mass, particularly at a time of death, is truly a special moment, a holy moment, a God moment. At the Funeral Liturgy, the Church gathers with the family and friends of the deceased to give praise and thanks to God for Christ's victory over sin and death, to commend the deceased to God's tender mercy and compassion and to seek strength in the proclamation of the Paschal Mystery. The funeral liturgy, therefore, is an act of worship and not merely an expression of grief. Rite of Committal The final commendation is a final farewell by the members of the community, an act of respect for one of their members whom they entrust to the tender and merciful embrace of God. This act also acknowledges the reality of separation and affirms that the community and the deceased 
baptized into the one body, share the same destiny. Resurrection on the last day. On that day, the one shepherd will call each by name and gather the faithful together in the new and eternal Jerusalem. Order of Christian Funerals, number 146. The rite of committal, the conclusion of the funeral rite, is the final act of the community of faith in caring for the body of its deceased member. It should normally be celebrated at the place of committal, that is, beside the open grave or place of burial. In committing the body to its resting place, the community expresses the hope that, with all those who have gone before us, marked with the sign of faith, the deceased awaits the glory of the resurrection. The rite of committal is an expression of the communion that exists between the church on earth and the church in heaven. The deceased passes with the farewell prayers of the community of believers into the welcoming company of those who need faith no longer, but see God face to face. Wow, that is beautiful. The funeral mass, like every mass we celebrate as Catholics, is all about Jesus. If you think about it, baptism isn't about the person getting baptized. It's about how Jesus is making that person a new creation. First Holy Communion. It's not about the young people coming forward. It's about how Jesus is nourishing them with his very self. Confirmation is not about the person taking a step. It's about how Jesus is commissioning them and filling them with the Holy Spirit. And that connects nicely to the gift of the fear of the Lord, the wonder and awe that we have for our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, all thanks and glory belong to you. As written in Sirach, the fear of the Lord is glory and exultation, gladness and festive crown. The fear of the Lord rejoices the heart, giving gladness, joy, and long life. The beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. Let us also pray for all those who are suffering now from war and conflict, abject poverty, grave injustice, deteriorating health, loss of job and dignity, etc. In our darkest moment, hang on to Christ and seek the face of God. Begin with the fear of the Lord. And in the words of Pope St. Gregory the Great, Through the fear of the Lord, we rise to piety. From piety, then to knowledge. From knowledge, we derive strength. From strength, counsel. With counsel, we move toward understanding. 
and with intelligence toward wisdom, and thus, by the sevenfold grace of the Spirit, there opens to us, at the end of the ascent, the entrance to the life of heaven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you like what you hear, please like, subscribe, and get notified. Thank you, and God bless.